0: who who class the boom I'm coming through. they want to see what I'm about yeah I got skills do it for the thrill. I want to pay for route extra extra read about it I'm today's trying to tap it what, what's going on this your boy dolo Jane and welcome to the kicking and dolo podcast a sports podcast where we talk about football and basketball past present and future top five top 10 stats and more so without further ado let's get right into it so I know it's been a little while since I brought y'all a ranking video, so I decided to go ahead and kick it back to the NBA with another ranking video. I'm going to go ahead and give y'all my top 10 small forwards in the NBA today, man. So without further ado, like I said, let's get right into it. So at number 10, I got Boyan Bogdanovic of the Utah Jazz. 18 points per game, 4.3 rebounds and 2.2 assists. Um, basically a sharpshooter that I feel, I feel like they can fit on any team, basically. Um, he has a nice little one dribble pull up game from mid range, not saying he's really like a shot creator or nothing like that, but you know, the corner three catch catches shoot mainly is where he gets his baskets from and, but he also has the ability to, you know, catch you off the pump fake, you know, one dribble in pull up from mid range and occasionally, you know, either make a nice pass or, you know, get to the rim. Very, very rarely will he get to the rim like that where he beat his opponents off the dribble, but I'm not saying that he can't do it at all. That is something that he does, you know, every so often, you know, especially when he's feeling it. But it was very hard to pick, you know, basically given that the small four league, in my opinion, basically is maybe the thinnest list as it comes to the thinnest position in the NBA when it comes to maybe top players and maybe even elite players. A lot of players have spent time at the small forward that I don't really consider a small forward, like uh, LeBron or KD or stuff like that. It's a lot of it, it's it was really hard to, you know, really trying to decipher. But, you know, the guys that I know that play majority of their minutes at small four is, you know, guys that I put on this list. So number nine, I got OG Ananobi at the Toronto Raptors. 17.1 points, 5.5 rebounds, and 2.6 assists. Basically, you know, OG Ananobi was really um really good for the Raptors this season, in my opinion. Um, showed a lot more, you know, off the dribble. Getting to the rim, being aggressive as he always does, but also you know, also shooting that he can shoot step back threes, you know, nice one dribble pull ups, you know, basically he could take his man off and create his own shot. Um, it's gonna be real interesting to see how him and Scotty Barnes play out, you know, further going along into you know Scotty Barnes' second season. Um, I think I seen something. I think it was by uh, by Kenny Beecham. He was saying, you know, basically how they haven't had a lot of minutes on the court together, I believe. But at the same time, he said that he, you know, had faith that they could also, you know, fit on the court together, which is something that I agree with. Basically, you know, a lot of times is when you first start playing with a player, you know, a player that kind of plays similar with you, it can be a good thing and a bad thing depending on, you know, basically like the scheme of the offense and also the type of aggressionness and, and the type of mindset that a player have. But I believe, you know, I think they're going to buy in and, you know, Basically, I feel like him and, you know, Scotty Barnes can really be on the court together. He's also, you know, extremely long, gives, tries on the defensive end. For sure, you know, a lot of young players don't try on the defensive end. But he does definitely try on the defensive end. So, number eight, I got Gordon Hayward. He averaged 15.9 points, 4.6 rebounds, and 3.6 assists. Now, we already know the type of player Gordon Hayward can be. I'm not saying he's the top guy on your team, but he's definitely, like, a good second, maybe third option on the team, you know, on a playoff team. Can he be, you know, that on a championship team, um, we haven't really seen him we've seen him in places where, you know, a championship was expected, but at the same time, usually he becomes injured. So we haven't had a chance to see him in that type of capacity in that type of role. I still think that he's a good player. And I still think, you know, he could be he could be a good contributor. I don't think he's he's a role player just yet. But at the same time I don't think he's like a star level number one option. I think he's, like, in that little sweet spot in between. But um, I really want to see how – I want to see Gordon Hayward complete an 82-game season. I don't know the last time he's even played, like, at least 70 games. I know it was probably back in Utah. But Gordon Hayward is definitely somebody that, you know, it's a joy to watch. And he's, like – I think he's sneaky good, basically, where it's like, you don't really pay attention to the fact that yeah, he's not KD or LeBron or Giannis or anything like that. But at the same time, like you also know like this dude right here is a bucket. So I wouldn't say he's like a superstar or a star level player. But he's definitely like, I wouldn't say he's a role player either. I think if it's some type of space like in the in-between, that's why I would put Goran Hayward for But all right, number seven, I have Mikael Bridges of the Phoenix Suns. 14.2 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, and 2.3 assists. Now, Mikael Bridges is somebody that probably wouldn't have been on this list for me last season, but... Given the fact that the season that he had, being top three in defensive player of the year basically just showed his values to the Phoenix Suns. Now they also were a big part, he also was a big part of, you know, the Suns making the Suns making the finals against the Bucks as well, excuse me. But um I really think over his last season, I think he became a little bit more aggressive. I saw he had a turnaround start adding like the turnaround pull up to his game, you know, the one drill pull up. I think mainly he's been like a catch and shoot like in the corner type of guy. I don't really see him taking a lot of shots from, like, the top of the key from the best of my uh, memory. But I think, you know, if he could just add more confidence around, you know, everywhere, basically, like, all around the court. Maybe even shoot some elbow threes, you know, maybe even shoot some elbow pull-ups, one-dribble pull-ups and stuff like that. You know, just from different areas and stuff like that. We already know that he can slash, and he's very good getting to the paint. Very crafty. Very long arms. I don't know how long his wingspan is. I'm going to assume maybe he has, like, a... Just how are his long, just how long his arms look, I'm gonna just assume that he has like close to like a seven foot wingspan. But I know I think he's only like 6'5, six, 6'6, six, six, if I'm not mistaken. But I think he's definitely, you know, definitely have a chance to be one of the you know great defensive players in the league. And also one of the great two-way players in the league, too, if he could just add a little bit more to his offensive game. So at number six, I'm gonna have Andrew Wiggins, um, 17.2 points per game, 4.5 rebounds, 2.2 assists. Andrew Wiggins basically, you know, shows us that he can, you know, fit a role that you want him to feel. And basically, you know, he could be – I wouldn't say he was the top defender, but he could be, you know, one of your top two defenders on your team, on the championship team, as he did this past season with the Golden State Warriors. The stream, you know, the extremely good job he did on Jason Tatum throughout the finals as well as rebounding and also just making hustle plays, whether it be a loose ball or, you know, going to grab a rebound, offensive or defensive, or, you know, just hitting a timely shot. You know, all, throughout the playoffs, like, that's when, and, you know, also, you know, him being an all-star this season, a lot of people say that he didn't deserve it. Um, I, I'm not going to go with that far, you know, because he was playing very well. Um, I, I I know how the voting goes, but then again, but, like, you don't know how everybody feels. Everybody might have felt like Williams may have had a better season as opposed to maybe some other selections at the position, given the fact that, you know, like I said, small forward position is a very hard position to pick for. But um, I could really he got also you know we know Wiggs is gonna be getting paid or if he's not already getting paid we you know him and Poole. But then I I've seen something where you know Gr- Draymond Green wants a max contract, and they still have I think Pay uh, Clay Thompson excuse me is also you know due for another contract extension soon. So it's gonna be really interesting to see how the Golden State Warriors plot everything through the off season. Will they offer? Who will they offer? And if you know and what will they offer? So number five, I'm gonna go with Brandon Ingram of the New Orleans Pelicans. 22.7 points, 5.8 rebounds, 5.6 assists. Now Brandon Ingram, um, this season, you know, basically him being the number one option, he shows that he has the possibility of being the number one option. Um, he very, he showed. I think he's starting to show what we expect out him how to do what we, what we wanted him to be with the Lakers. You know, given the fact that he was given more opportunity and basically it was his team this season, given the fact that Zion Wilson was out and they also made a trade for C.J. McCollum. Um, picking up Herbert Jones and Jose Alvarado also, you know, helps the defensive side and just gives, you know, the Pelicans more just defensive hungry. Also, you know, scrappy players. Every team needs a couple scrappy players, you know, just to do some dirty work. And I feel like Jose, Alvar- Jose Alvarado, excuse me, and, you know, Herbert Jones, two players that could really definitely do that. Now, given the fact with Zion coming back, I really think that the Pelicans are going to play more through Zion when he comes back. So I think Brandon Ingram Brandon would be more like a, a two option or maybe like a one B option. I think the ball might be in, in Zion's hand a little more. I believe, you know, also believe that I'll, CJ is going to initiate the offense for the most part. So I think them two are going to be probably maybe the primary ball handlers in. Ingram, he might be more of a – I'm not going to say more of a catch-and-shoot type of guy because I know he's still going to get his off the drill. But I think he's going to transition to, you know, maybe handling the ball a little bit less. I know he was basically handling the duties with uh, C.J. McCollum. But with Zion coming back and, you know, the type of flashes that he's shown, I think they're going to try and put the ball in Zion's hands and just show him that, hey, it's your team. But also, it's nothing wrong with, you know – Brandon Ingle being a solid number two number. I wouldn't necessarily say he would be a number three option. I think he would be the a, 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 a second option behind Zion Wilson. I mean, and then, you know, maybe CJ McCollum might be the third option. So it's going to be real interesting real interesting to see what type of, you know, scheme Willie Green puts together and what type of sets they run and things of that nature. So uh, number four, I got DeMar DeRozan, the Chicago Bulls, 27.9 points, 5.2 rebounds and 4.9 assists. This season, DeMar DeRozan basically showed us that he still has some of the stuff left that he displayed in Toronto. I know for a couple years, he went down there with the Spurs and stuff like that and um, basically didn't really make the playoffs like that or didn't really make a lot of noise. Now, they did end up ultimately getting eliminated in the first round. But for a time, for, you know, I want to say a span of maybe two to three weeks, maybe even a month, the Bulls was the number one team in the East. So that's a good thing, given the fact that, you know, and they also made the playoffs. It's been a little minute since they made the playoffs. I'm going to say, what's it 2016? So good, what, six years since they made the playoffs. So it's real good to, you know, lift a team up and get back to the playoffs. Now, Lonzo Ball was hurt, and Alex Caruso was hurt for the majority of the season. So I feel like the Bulls maybe would have took one or two more games off the books, possibly, potentially, um, if they would have had them two players. But – Oh all no, all, they probably still would have exited in the first round, in my opinion. They could have made it to the second round. I felt like if maybe they would have got a match up against the Raptors. They could have probably beat the Raptors. But it was still a good season, given the fact that, in my opinion, it was still a good season for the Bulls, given the fact that, like I said, you haven't made the playoffs in about six years, seven years, seven seasons. And you know, you made it there. And it's some hype around the team. They brought Zach Levine back. Um, they also picked up Andre Drummond, if I'm not mistaken. So. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of to be happy about if you're a Bulls fan. So number three, small forward, I got in the lead right now is Chris Middleton, twenty point one points per game, five point four rebounds, and five point four assists. Now Chris Middleton basically showed us that you know he could be a closer for a championship team. What last season and the season previous, I believe you know watching the Celtics series, we also see how valuable you know Chris Middleton is to the Milwaukee Bucks. I think maybe the Milwaukee Bucks maybe to maybe could advance further. If they had Chris Milton, I don't know if they would represent the East, given the fact that because you know you still would have to play against Miami, and who knows if the same injuries happen and stuff like that. So I wouldn't really say go that far, but I had I know they had a chance to come out the East, and Chris Milton was a big part of you know the reason why. I think I had them coming out the East, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I had them coming out the East, but uh, you know, unfortunately he suffered that uh, what is it, a, a hamstring tear or ACL Terry or something like that. But it it just shows the type of player that he is. He can go get you 50, 40, plays defense on your best player or second-best player, depending on, you know, who the matchup be. They can also throw Drew Holiday out there. And, you know, that three-headed defensive snake with him, Drew Holiday, and Giannis is just – it's crazy. And then they also give you buckets on the offensive end too. You know, know, everybody knows Giannis is no more option. But Chris Milton, you know, if he got it going, he's one of the hardest players to stop in the league. Like, he's one, like, he's, I wouldn't say he's a streaky shooter, but once he gets high, it's really hard to, to stop Chris Milton. Turn around, fade. He can get all the way to the rim, lay up, dunk. Real good in the mid range. Like, he's a good three point shooter, but I think he operates better in the mid range. He kind of reminds me of like Rip Hamilton. I think he shoots a little bit more threes than Rip Hamilton, but he reminds me of Rip Hamilton. But um, on number two, small four that I have in the NBA. I'm going with Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat, 21.4 points, 5.9 rebounds, and 5.5 assists. Now, my one, two, you know, I feel like they're interchangeable in a way, you know, in my opinion. I mean, I, I can see why people would go who I put with at number two, and I can see why people would go with who I put at number one for the most part, and if you – it's, it's – it's an argument to be made that both guys could be number one. They could be one, two, two, one, whatever order you want to put them in. But for me, in the purposes of this video, uh, I'm gonna put Jimmy Butler at two. Um, he still is a player that can lead your team basically to the finals. The one thing we that we have seen is you know Jimmy Butler in the playoffs is a totally different player, man. Um, I would he doesn't really coast too much in the in the regular season to me, but I think he just played he plays well enough, you know, to get his reps in and you know get continuity with the team and play defense and you know I'm pretty sure he wants a top spot but at the same time like he's just a, he's a more hungry player when it comes to the playoffs and a lot of players and it, you know a lot of great players have been that way once the playoffs start that they've just been you know more relentless and more you know more hungry and you know just you really see their their will to win basically like Jimmy Butler, like he's a great player, but I think he has one of like the strongest wills in the NBA. Like where he just will his team to victory. I really like that about Jimmy Butler. Um, whatever off offseason moves they make, this um, this offseason is gonna be real interesting to try and get that man some help because they were literally what one game away from the NBA finals. So if they can get a a, a second shot creator, in my opinion, a you know a guy that can you know be ball dominant. Not necessarily not necessarily ball dominant but you know just could be a secondary ball handler i know kyle lowry is most likely going to be the secondary ball handler for the most part or really actually the primary ball handler you know being the fact that he's the point guard i think he's going to initiate the office but it's like when i mean it's like a another guy that can go create his own shot Now like kyle lowry he can but he's like 35 36. maybe if they can find somebody a little younger, but also. As established, not to say as proven because Kyle Lowry is a championship player and that's the type of player you will want on your team for sure, especially if they have high character, which I, I, I believe. I don't know him, but I believe Kyle Lowry is a high character guy. So at number one, I have Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics, 26.9 points per game, eight point eight rebounds per game, and 4.4 assists. Now we already know that, he, you know, to the standards that we hold Jason Tatum to that he had a lackluster Final Series, but at the same time, to the best of my knowledge, a lot of players don't. There's been some instances where a few players don't play good their first time around in the finals. So I think the fact that he just even, you know, gained that experience is just, you know, key for him and keep will be key in his development and also in his hunger. To be that close, to know that you was what, two games away from winning the finals, and then you know, the Warriors being back to full strength basically you know, they, you didn't get dominated by them. It's not like, you you know, you got swept or you only won one game. You you had a chance to win maybe three games and possibly the series, you know, given the things they could have tweaked, you know, I, if they just wouldn't have turned the ball over so much and probably, you know, passed the ball more. I feel like the Celtics maybe could have made some noise and possibly pushed this to the game seven. But it, they, they made some great moves this offseason as well. You know, um, Danilo Gagnari, Michael Broughton. A lot of everybody knows about the, the Jason Tatum to KD thing, but a lot of people are saying that was weeks ago, maybe like the beginning of July. But um, I've been seeing Jalen Brown, basically. I It was something I seen on Twitter. I think he was working out in the pool with weights. So I know he's coming back hungry next season. I'm pretty sure the Boston Celtics are going to keep everybody. I don't think they're going to trade for Kevin Durant, in my opinion. Um, I think they're just going to keep everybody and running back, you know, given the fact that they was going, what, already 8-9 deep. And now I think they're going to go probably eight nine deep again. Um, I think probably Michael Broughton is definitely going to take Peyton Pritchard's role off the bench for sure. And uh, I think Derek White's still going to be a good rotational player. I think they're going. So now you can bring Grant Williams off the bench, Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, Danilo Gallinari. So that's the possibility to go nine deep. Um. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Celtics do. And, you know, Emmanuel Dougal being the type of coach that he is, you know, he really got a chance to, we really got the chance to see that he is a great coach. Now, I didn't know that it was his first year coaching the Celtics. And I also didn't know that, you know, that he played in the league previously. Like, it was one game I was watching. I think he was on the Portland Trail Blazers. I want to say it was like 2005-ish, maybe. And I was like, what? That's the Boston Celtics coach? And the fact that, you know, he's from the, I think he's from the Greg Popovich tree, if I'm not mistaken. It's real cool to see that guy get his shine and him really greed, you know, being some first year head coaches that, you know, led the team to the playoff. So this has been my top 10 small fours in the NBA today. Y'all keep checking out the episodes, man. I appreciate all the love y'all been showing, man. We've been expanding the audience to, you know, different countries and different states of that nature. So this has been the Kicking It Dolo podcast. Appreciate y'all listening. Until next time. Peace out. <laughs> So. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Clear out the room. I'm coming through. They want to see what I'm about. Yeah, I got skills. Do it for the thrill. I'm on a paper route. Extra, extra read about it. I'm today's trending topic.